to give you hope and a future. And from this campus, our students go around the world and they share the hope of Jesus through their degree that they've earned, the profession they've been called to, and so we're just so thrilled. We know that in the house today we have lots of parents, grandparents, friends and family. Uh, we're thankful that you have given us the privilege, you've entrusted into our care the, the nurturing and the educating of your sons and your daughters, and we're so grateful for that. And if you are a new freshman student coming in, we can't wait not only to get you here, but now to begin interacting with you, not only in classrooms, but in personal situations where we can mentor you and coach you, and maybe most powerfully encourage you at this place that we call the altar in the sanctuary here at North Central so God can do his work in you. And it begins today. Why don't you stand with me as I open in prayer. We're going to have a powerful time of musical worship. Our president is going to give us an inspiring message. But let's just focus for just a moment as we begin on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus, who as our Savior has come into our lives and transformed us. And Holy Spirit, you have been sent and you have called us to do a work for the kingdom of God. And we thank you that God for decades, men and women have come to North Central University to understand more clearly the call of God in their life, to be raised up with a great education, to be inspired to levels of leadership that are far beyond our own human potential, but with the power of the Holy Spirit, we do things we never dreamed we could do for you. So we pray that in this service, as we worship you, you'd speak to our hearts, give us that assured confidence that we are in the right place at the right time. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together.
1 Kings 18, verse 43, it says, Go looking towards the sea. And he told his servant, and he went up and he looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, Go back. And on the seventh time, the servant reported, A cloud as small as a man's fist is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, Go and tell Ahab, Hitch up your chariots. And go down before the rain stops you. I was sitting over here worshiping, and I really felt the Lord. Here at North Central, we work in the prophetic. When the Lord speaks to us, we speak it out. And today, I want to say to someone in here, maybe a lot of people in here, that it's coming into view. It's coming into view like a small fist rising on the horizon. It's coming in to view. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this time. We welcome you here. We know you never leave, but day after day we open our hearts and we welcome you into this place. For you are going to do a great work, for you are doing a great work. And we yield ourselves to you, O oh Lord. Use us. Use me for your kingdom purpose and your kingdom will. Lord, we ask for your peace and for your strength and for your endurance to complete the race set before us. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We are so grateful for your presence and that you are not a God who is away from us, but a God who is right here beside us in every moment. In every space. And we love serving a king who is accessible. Mm. We thank you. We thank you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's give worship live a round. Thank you so much for leading us. Wow. It's like going to Costco. You get a little sample, and then you got to go around, and you come back, get another sample, and you act like you're not the person that was there before. That was just a little sample of what you get every day here at North Central. Mom and Dad, I hope you can come back and visit sometime. Sneak in the back, take in a chapel service, because you're a part of this community, and... Uh, it's just exciting. It's exciting to be back. I feel like uh, Welcome Week is a little bit like an airplane. Last Wednesday before you came, I was telling my team, I'm like, I don't think we've got enough runway. You know, it's like, we're not going to make it. We're not going to oh, gotta lean in. And then you kind of take off. So this morning, if you're feeling a little G-force as we're taking off here, that's okay. We haven't reached cruising altitude yet. It's probably not safe to move about the cabin, but it will be. It's going to be a great... Great next few days. I just want to take a few moments um, to go over our schedule uh, so that you guys kind of know what's happening for the day. Uh, following our service here, uh, we encourage you to go to lunch with your students. Uh, the cafeteria is open. It is $5. If you're uh, not a student, uh, you're welcome. It's a cash pay in there. But we're in downtown. There are lots of great places to eat. Uh, take your student out. 
um, enjoy your time. There's also in the, this guide that if you don't have one, everyone should have one by now. There are still some out there on the back table. Um, there's, a, there's a sheet in here about things to do, Sunday optional activities. If you're not from the Twin Cities area and you'd like to know some things to do, feel free to do that. Of course, you can go to Target, but we have Target Takeover coming up uh, tomorrow night, and you get discounts if you buy it tomorrow night. So you make the call uh, what you want to do, but uh, just something to keep in mind. Also, if you're an athlete, a new athlete coming in, uh, they do have an athletics meeting uh, uh, at uh, noon following this. It's in the chapel, which is the small Anderson Chapel over here. Some, this is the sanctuary. That's the chapel. Okay, so that'll be over there uh, from noon to 1. Uh, and then at 4.30, you need to be saying your farewells. And you will make it. It'll be okay. Right? Don't get too excited if you're sending mom off. Right? Don't cheer because they don't like that. Okay? Uh, and parents don't cheer the other way either. They might not like that either. But to say your goodbyes. And uh, we'll be having dinner. And then tonight, beginning at 6 o'clock, uh, right here in the sanctuary, we're going to be having our first uh, orientation session. These are very, very important to come to these sessions that we've put together. This is your guide map. And there's a thing at college I don't know or I didn't know kind of thing. I didn't know this was a deal. Uh, you're kind of responsible for knowing it. And we want to make sure we get that information in your hands. You don't want to show up on class on Wednesday and not know how to get into your class schedule or find your syllabus. And nobody ever told me. If you're skipping these sessions, that's why you're not learning it. So come to those sessions. Um, but our first one will begin tonight. And there's always, you know, prize giveaways and it's always a lot of fun. So that's kind of the schedule, late night activities. Our organizational fair will be out in the lobby. If you want to get connected to a ministry on campus um, and our community outreach and all the variety of things that you know what North Central is is known for, they will have all of our organizations will be set up there where you can meet and connect and talk to different folks out there so that you can get plugged in, not next year, this year. So come meet those organizations. I'm now going to introduce to you uh, Dr. Don Tucker. He's our provost, and he's going to bring a welcome and introduce our president to you. Welcome, parents, friends, and uh, new students. I have the distinct pleasure and opportunity today to introduce to you our president, Scott Hagan, the seventh president in the 87-year history of North Central University. President Hagan is a leader of leaders and a pastor to pastors. After serving as an associate pastor in San Jose, California, he and his wife, Karen, were called to be senior pastors in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and subsequently called back to California in 2006 to the Sacramento area, where they started Real Life Church, planting 10 new congregations and campuses throughout the region and serving our national fellowship as leaders and mentors for the Church Multiplication Network. Known as an inspiring and passionate leader, President Hagan has written six books on leadership, published more than 60 articles in Charisma Magazine, Ministries Today, The Pentecostal Evangel, and Influence Magazine. His leadership blog and leadership-focused Facebook site have more than 100,000 followers. He knows them all by name. He is a graduate of Bethany University in Santa Cruz, California, Azusa Pacific University in California, completing his PhD at Gonzaga University in Washington. He served as an adjunct faculty member at four different institutions, including the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. He served on the advisory board for development of the master's degree in leadership at William Jessup University 
and on the President's Advisory Council at North Central University and a trustee for Bethany College in California. He was recognized in 2000 by the DeVos Foundation of Grand Rapids, Michigan as a leader in diversity and community concern and a recipient of the Martin Luther King Jr. Leadership Award. He was honored again in 2011 as a difference maker by Sacramento, California Martin Luther King Jr. Committee for his outstanding civic leadership and call to unity. He is an avid sports fan and is equally, equally as comfortable on the basketball court as he is in the pulpit. He loves the church, he loves higher education, he loves Jesus, and he loves people. Give it up for our friend and your friend, President Scott Hagan. I, uh, I want to amend that. He's equally as comfortable in the basketball stands <laughs> as he is the pulpit. So uh, being comfortable on the court, I think that's long, uh, long gone. So anyway, great to see everybody here this morning. Uh, what a blessing. And that really was uh, a taste of what this place is like um, uh, really daily around here. It's really a, a special university. Um, a fire and scholarship is how we describe North Central. And, you know, today is an emotional day. I'm thinking about when I dropped Jocelyn off here, my daughter, uh, back in 2005. I was living in Grand Rapids at the time, and I bawled my eyes out all the way to Hudson, uh, which is just on the other side of the river. And so, and then I was sad from there to Michigan. And then the Lord helped me through it um, because what she became in this place offset any of the sorrows. Uh, because I came to realize as a parent now of four kids that are two in their 30s and two in their late 20s that my only other option is for them to live at home for the rest of their life. And so <laughs> it really is a wonderful pain. Okay. Trust me, the other option right now is not that wonderful if it plays itself out. So you're going to get through it. Today is also emotional because as I stand here right this very moment, my mother, Beverly Hagen, who sat here last uh, September during our inauguration uh, as the seventh president here at the university, um, she is suffering uh, um, from dementia and Alzheimer's. And she, for the last 18 years, has lived in Grand Rapids with my brother, Doug, and would spend the winters in Sacramento <clears throat> with us and then back um, during the rest of the year. So we had this kind of routine. Uh, coming to the university here kind of uh, disrupted that routine because the, there really is no place to go uh, in the winter. You don't leave Grand Rapids to come to Minneapolis. Uh, that's really not an upgrade <clears throat> like it was before. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we had to make a family decision, uh, the siblings, uh, to move mom from Michigan to back to Cedra Woolley, Washington, which is her hometown where I was born. My two sisters live there, but she's been living with my brother um, uh, for the last 18 years, and we've just have had our routine, our life. And, and so this morning, in the last 30 minutes, a whole host of great grandkids who are now in their 20s um, were saying goodbye, really, and will probably not see my mom ever again alive. And they just sent us pictures. They put their hands together, uh, the, each of the grandchildren with grandma's hand and they dipped it in plaster and there's this beautiful beautiful instant sculpture of their hands uh, clasped in my mom's hand it's very emotional I saw that about a minute before I walked up here 
Um, so it is a day of, of raw uh, emotion. You know, for all of us in this room, many of you are caring for a, a parent that is suffering in their health, and you carry that sorrow and that heaviness every single day. It's always kind of in your mind about a life. But so today is standing here. This isn't busy work or just um, status quo um, for me. This is my second year here serving as president. Uh, they checked my grades. I got back in as a sophomore, uh, so that was good. Um, I passed my freshman year, and it has just really been uh, beyond words, exceeded expectations. And I really believe in the next few minutes, I just want to share uh, out of the life of a person that I would call the second father of the human race, uh, Noah. And I'm going to share a couple of thoughts on Noah this morning that the Lord dropped in my heart specifically for this group. It's a, uh, brand new thoughts on the life of Noah, and I think it's uh, very meaningful for us uh, today. But um, all the students in here and the parents, you are collecting a brand new series of artifacts. Artifacts uh, throughout human history have served a great purpose because they, they really cause time to freeze and in a beautiful way, and they memorialize moments in life. And sometimes you can't build a statue. You simply have a spot on the sidewalk. Um, you have, you're standing near a building, and it becomes an artifact for the rest of your life. I remember standing there. I remember when we said this on that spot. You know, I, I mentioned last night we talked about our alma mater, our hometown, and our home church for the rest of our life. And so you are br in a brand new collection of these artifacts as you construct the meaning of this life, this assignment that is filled with uh, longevity. It seems to take forever, then it arrives too soon. And there's this odd juxtaposition of eternity and brevity that's going on in all of our lives, especially when we see our children transition into college. For some of you, it's your first. There's a unique emotion. For some of you, it's your youngest. There's a unique emotion for some of you. It's just like, well, this is, we've done this twice. We're going to do it two more times. You're like in this uh, neutral category, but it's an emotional moment. And I was thinking about a couple artifacts <clears throat> in my life, and they don't have to be <clears throat> expensive uh, to create or magnificent buildings. The first artifact I want to show you is this picture of this little house. Um, it originally was a house that was then purchased by a hospital or a convalescent hospital. And for years and years and years, probably 60 years, it's where they housed um, uh, elderly people in this very small little upstairs and downstairs structure uh, as a convalescent hospital. And that went out of business. And this struggling, tiny little Pentecostal church uh, bought this, this little independent church, this little family, the, the Tilly family bought this. And they started a little congregation. It was an independent Assembly of God church. And that became a church. And that's where I went to church uh, when I was in high school. And it was in that building with my head against the back wall with about 50 people on a Thursday night that an evangelist stopped the service and pointed and said, young man in the blue shirt, I want you to stand up. And I wasn't even a Christian, to be honest. And it was, But I prayed, sincerely prayed for the first time in my life, God, let my shirt be green. True prayer. I had the only blue shirt on in North America that night, and I stood up trembling. I thought I was in trouble, but I was sleeping. I don't know why I was in, what are you doing? And he said, son, 
The call of God on your life is so powerful. Tens of thousands around the world over the span of your lifetime will be impacted for the gospel. If you go out of this building and are hit by a truck and your back is broken into 300 pieces, the Lord will put every piece back in place. He said, as Mary conceived Christ in the womb, so the call of God is conceived. He said, but son, you possess something that the devil doesn't possess because Satan can't stop this, but you can. Now, for a guy that wasn't even a Christian to receive that kind of bizarre, prophetic tsunami slam in the face was like, what a risk. Like, you would say, what are you wacko people talking about? This is just a bunch of, it was like a Saturday Night Live skit making fun of Pentecostal people. It was that, that it was just a weird setting. And yet God was there and it was all true. In that little, humble, crummy little building, my life changed. Okay. The next artifact is a shared artifact with my family. This goes back further than 1977. This goes back to a farm in Iowa that we journeyed to. My mom and I just three years ago, and on the day I visited this barn, later that day, that day that I took this picture is when North Central came into view because I was in Iowa doing the district council and we journeyed to my mom's mother's childhood farm in Grand River, Iowa. And it's a town of about 30, maybe 28. I don't know. It, it's a small town. Dying, hour south of Des Moines, Iowa. And she has an uncle that's in his late 90s who's of sound mind. He took us around and he found the barn, and it was in that barn in 1916 that my grandmother, Addie, as a little kid, uh, received the Lord. And this lady named Maria Wadsworth Etter was holding meetings, and I found on the Internet the actual meetings uh, that are listed in the registry of revivals in Iowa. I found the date that she was, she was there one night. It was in that barn. My grandma, Addie, gave her heart to the Lord. Maria Wadsworth Etter put her hands on my grandma and she was baptized in the Holy Spirit inside that barn. And I stood there looking at that artifact. And later that day, I preached the ordination service for the Iowa District Council. After the service, Tom Jacobs came up to me and said, Scott, I'm on the board of trustees at North Central. President Gordon Anderson has announced his retirement. It's not public. He said, um, he said, you're born for this job. And when he said that to me, my heart just, it fell, it, le it leapt. I don't know what it did. It did something. But it was on the day I, I visited that property. And so I don't know what it all means. All I know is that you're right there now. You have these moments of shared artifacts. Some of you that went to North Central, you went here. Your, your, your parents went here. This is maybe a second or third generation. You're walking back. You're going through hallways that now you're, son or daughter or your grandson or granddaughter are walking through, you're going through thresholds, you're standing beneath these stone uh, archways and it becomes a shared artifact in your life. Um, I, again, don't know what it all means, but it's how God constructs our reality and our faith and shows us that he has all things in control. I want to read for you a very powerful passage of scripture uh, today. I brought my little Bible, so I need my big glasses when I read my little Bible. So here we go. 
It says in Genesis chapter 5, beginning at verse 22, when Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of, Meth- of Methuselah. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. That's a nice run of spiritual intimacy. It kind of puts to shame the 90-day challenge. Um, He walked in close fellowship for 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. When Methuselah was 187 years old, he became the father of Lamech. After the birth of Lamech, Methuselah lived another 782 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Methuselah lived to be 969 years. Then he died. When Lamech was 182, he became the father of a son. Lamech named his son Noah, for he said, may he bring us relief or comfort. Actually, the name Noah means comfort and relief. May he bring us relief and comfort from our work and the painful labor of farming this ground the Lord has cursed. Then after the birth of Noah, Lamech lived another 595 years. He had other sons and daughters. Lamech lived 777 years. Then he died. After Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So if you're 18 and you feel like you're, you, you, there's no more tread on your tire, the window's closed, be, be encouraged here. Uh, there's still some life ahead. When Lamech had a son named Noah, he said, may he bring us relief from our work and the painful labor of farming this ground that the Lord has cursed. I want to draw your attention to some observations. I've just put these in a, in, in a sense of a bullet point uh, to be able to kind of capture quickly in our few moments together some things about Noah, what I call the second father of the human race. Number one is this. Do you know that Noah was the only follower of God left in his generation? I was always struck growing up by that idea that the planet had one person left, one tiny thread of humanity that was a, um, a follower of the Lord at that level of just abject obedience to God. And so Noah, at that time, it was really down to him. And I am seeing in our society a lot of people that acknowledge and check the box of faith and Christianity, but really followers of the Lord, how many really are there out there? And I don't mean that in a judgmental as though I'm one, you're not. But in a sober analysis of our society, we almost are leaning more back into the days of Noah where you find yourself in setting after setting and you're the only one who takes Jesus and his teachings seriously. And remember, you can't love Jesus but be embarrassed of the Bible. Jesus said in Luke, whoever is ashamed of me and my teachings. We have this odd hybrid in America right now where you can love the Lord but be embarrassed of the Bible. It doesn't work that way. Jesus wrote the whole Bible, okay? All scriptures inspired by God. We can have a wonderful deep dive there. He wasn't simply interviewed and then his responses put in red. And even if you follow that line of reasoning, 
you forget about all the red in the book of Revelation. Go read Revelation chapters 2 and 3. Those are, if you want to just read the red and see how Jesus felt about righteousness and sin and repentance. So what I'm saying is that we're in settings now where it feels like we're the last person standing. It's okay. Look what happens to an individual who is the only follower of his generation. Secondly, I notice this about Noah. People follow the follower. I don't mean this in a, in a sense of weakness, like don't be a follower, be a leader. I know how that nomenclature works. But people respond to those who are attached to something greater than themselves. They have an inherent trust in people who can acknowledge uh, where their sources come from, that they've come from some place. Romans 1 is all about the dishonoring of God, that there's none that came before. When I honor you, you came before me. You are above me and before me. When I dishonor, there's nothing above, there's nothing before. I stand alone as my own governing law. So when we dishonor God, we do not recognize that he came before us and that his teaching is above us. When you fundamentally believe that you are a law unto yourself, that's how we dishonor God. And when that happens, uh, people sense spiritually that you're not attached to something. There's no honor in your life. But people follow people who follow. So Noah was a follower of the Lord, and it brought a catalytic response to a handful of other people. People follow the follower, not just the leader. What makes your leadership profound is that you're a, a deeply committed follower of the Lord. Third thing I notice, you got to welcome significant relationships do not run after mass appeal. This is one of the dilemmas of modern day leadership theory. Outside the church, inside the church, we're trying to figure out mass appeal. That's not how the kingdom works. Noah was able to welcome significant relationships into that ark. God is going to bring a small handful of people in your life right now that are going to change the trajectory of your life. The Bible says that, that Noah was a follower. In, in chapter 6, verse 22, it says that Noah did everything the Lord commanded him to do. He was a follower of the Lord's instruction. It says in 622, he did everything that God commanded. And in chapter 7, verse 1, it says, when everything was ready. That's what's going on in your life. You are a gifted generation. But things have to be in place to get you fully ready. When everything is ready, then the Lord released the reins. He released the plan, the purpose, and the assignment. When everything is ready. My prayer for you is that God has spoken great plans over your life, but not everything is ready. You've come to North Central to spend the season of your life to put all the pieces in place for complete and total success in the next chapter of your life. But you're here because God is getting you ready. And when everything was ready, it says in chapter 7, verse 1, the Lord released Noah into his assignment. That's why we're all here, is that we are preparing and readying this generation, getting all the pieces in place in your life, spiritually, intellectually, emotionally, all of these things are being readied so that when the moment the Lord says it's time to go, and sometimes that go never comes because the person never 
becomes ready. That really is on you. That is on you. I talk to people all the time. They're in their 40s and 50s. Well, I had all these promises that never happened in my life. Did you ever allow the Lord to get you ready? Just giving you a vision of the assignment is not what it means to get ready. And so Noah became ready, and the Lord released. What did he release? He released significant relationships. He welcomed them into the boat. Bottom line is, I don't care whether you go to Ohio State University with 100,000. And remember, the size of a university is meaningless. I ask people all the time, would you, in a secular sense, would you rather have a degree from Stanford or Arizona State? They go, well, Stanford. I said, you know, Stanford has 15,000. They have 100,000 at Arizona State. This isn't about size. This is about the significant quality of your experience of what's about to happen. You will go anywhere you want to go in the world in any domain. God is using North Central graduates in ways I can't even describe. In the powerful origin, uh, nation of this school is a Bible college, the missionaries and pastors that are continuing to water the earth, that are bringing prophetic innovation from the Live Dead movement. I'm sure you've heard of that. It's all over the Middle East. Born out of a student in this university. I can tell you story after story of ministers and worship leaders writing music and establishing things for the kingdom. But I can tell you just as many stories now in business and in education. I can tell you stories about communication and journalism major, the new assistant press secretary for the U.S. House of Representatives, NCU grad, a year ago, in one year has been promoted in D.C. VPs at General Mills, VPs at Walgreens. I could go on and on. You can go anywhere you want in the world from this room. The other day I got a call. It's happened in my life. I wrote this little fun syllabus. These started some Facebook posts. I self-published this little book. A guy calls me up and says, hey, there's 30 people. I want you to know this colonel. He goes, at the highest level of the Pentagon, every week we have a leadership study circle with 30 top Pentagon officials, and we're using this book called The Language of Influence. I go, how did it make it there? <laughs> I'm going to say the same thing about you. God, how did you do that? How did you put them right next to Pharaoh, right next to Potiphar? They're interpreting dreams and running the economies of this world. That's what's going on when everything was ready. So significant relationships are going to come into your life. It's not about mass appeal. It's not about social media. It's not about trying to say, how do I get as many people to notice me? It's about welcoming the significant relationships that come into your life the way Noah did. That's the readiness process. He welcomed the significant relationships. And it may be a faculty member in this university, student support, they come at you from all amazing angles at this university. The other thing I noticed about Noah is this. He's the first shipbuilder, but he's not a son of the seas, but a son of the soil. Lamech said at the birth of Noah, praise God we're going to get some relief from the curse of this 
labor of farming. Lamech already recognized and released his son to be a first-generation leader. Now watch this. God, mom and dad, is going to do some stuff with your kids that you didn't see coming. They may be the son of the soil, but God's going to make them a son of the seas. And they'll become the first shipbuilder in your entire family narrative or story. Just get ready. God is going to bring relief. And he does something. He breaks some cycles. He plants some new dynamics through our sons and daughters that parents we didn't see coming. So Lamech said, let him just be a relief to this world. Let him bring comfort to this world, Lord. That's all I want. And Noah became the first you know, recorded shipbuilder, obviously, even though he was a son of the soil, a son of a farmer. So get ready for God to call some audibles in your kids' lives while they're at North Central University. You know, some students come here to study business and they end up being our greatest pastors. You know, some come to study being pastors and they end up being the greatest business leaders. It sorts itself out in this amazing incubator called chapel and in the classrooms, these sacred spaces of learning between a faculty member and a student, between what the Lord does in this room, what the Lord does in their dorm room. I pray for those three settings all the time, the classroom, the sanctuary, and the dorm room. Those are sacred spaces when you come to college. I pray that Jesus would be the Lord in all three of those domains, that they would hear the Lord, that all three of those would build on the progress of the other in their life. But get ready for some shipbuilders. Next thing I notice about Noah, we're almost done. Matter of fact, I believe if we get worship live to come back up here, I always tell people, uh, all, I tell our young preachers, always invite the musicians up. It gives the people hope. <laughs> First thing we teach in preaching. I'm going to teach you how to give people hope. How? Invite the musicians back to the platform. It just makes people happy. You see, you're happy. Now watch this. Noah got drunk and embarrassed himself. So yes, your life resume ahead will have both slips and ships. Slips and ships. You're going to do some things wonderful. You're going to build some great ships for God. Your assignment is going to be dynamic. You're going to have some slips that are intermingled with the ships. We all do in this room. I pray all the time that as president, and this permeates through our leadership, our university leadership family, that we would not be self-righteous nor forget what it's like to have been 18. And not even from a world that our students have been handed by my generation, through social media, the stuff they're mitigating as young adolescents is a far cry from anything that we, in my generation, ever had to mitigate. Never had to answer the primary questions of their generation. We're not even peripheral questions of mine. And so I don't want us to be self-righteous. I want us to guide these students, not rescue them. And they're born right on time. I used to always, I love Bonanza. I always wish I was born during Bonanza. The Waltons, you know, I liked it. But I was born now, I'm 55. 
soon to be 56, this is, I'm right on time. And you're right on time at 18. This generation, God knew exactly when you would live. He knew the pressures, all of it. And he's put you in this assignment. You're right on time. You're going to flourish and succeed. And we're going to help you graduate from this university with momentum. It will not take you four years to recover from being at college for four years. Many of our students around America, it takes them several years to pick up the pieces that have been created as they've been spiritually deconstructed. You're going to have a world-class education, and we're going to cultivate that fire in your heart to become a man and woman of God that when you graduate, you will so out-interview everybody else that's interviewing from all these other universities. There's going to be something on your life that they saw in Daniel's life. They said, let's get this guy named Daniel. He solves difficult problems. He solves riddles. And he interprets complexities. That's what you're going to become when you leave this place. And for the rest of your leadership life, you have a shot, if you will allow the Lord, to get you ready for everything that he has. We're going to wrap up right here. He got drunk. He embarrassed himself. You're going to have slips, and you're going to build some ships. Both are going to be in your resume. We're going to create good theology, a theology of forgiveness, a theology that allows confession and cleansing, a theology that is free from legalism but calls you to holiness, biblical holiness, one that brings freedom and joy and worship, one that always creates new beginnings for our students. We love you. We will love them as a mother and a father, as a caring family. We won't rescue your son or daughter. We will guide them, though, and support them, but not rescue them. We want you to make it through your slips because God has a pretty important ship for you to build. Lastly, the majority of his sons were principled men. One was not, speaking of Noah's sons. I just want to tell you that there's going to be some stuff in your life that doesn't turn out the way you thought. There's going to be some experimentation. There's going to be some initiatives. There's going to be some dreams that you share, you articulate in this incubator where we are growing into something. And it's a beautiful place to do that. Not everything in your life is going to turn out fruitful. But I believe that most of the initiatives in your life will become fruitful and become meaningful. And will be able to multiply and be a blessing to this earth. I want to pray for you that you would become mighty like Noah in this sense. My last statement is this. Last slide. Can we put up that very last one? Is there one last one in there? I think it says that there is. So Noah was not concerned about relevance. His love for the Lord made him a stark contrast to the contemporary message. Are you and I, sorry for the typo, willing to live as a stark contrast? That's the question. It's not about relevance. It's about the bravery to live as a stark contrast to the contemporary message. And I, I want to pray that we can become that 
blessing, that salt, that citizen, that leader, that's a stark contrast to the spirit of our age, but becomes so attractional, so fruitful that they can't deny there's something on our life and they seek us out. I've been on the verge of tears the last five minutes. I'm envisioning my mom right now getting on the plane with my sister and my brother, Doug, who's been a caregiver, and all those grandkids at the airport. It's probably happened while I've been speaking here, that transition. I just want to pray today as we go through this amazing moment in life that God is going to give us victory on every side, that your student coming to North Central would be a catalytic moment for the entire family. It would literally grow up and grow into something more in the Lord as a family unit as you go through this um, season of just dynamic opportunity. I want to do this. We have a lot of students here. I'd like all the students to stand first. If you would stand, just stand, just stand. All the students, all the students. I know we can't do this entirely, but just get out of your seats. Come and get as close as you can to the front of the building here. All the incoming students, freshmen, transfers that are here. Anybody, current student that's here. All the students just come and crowd in and around. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Parents, if you thought this was something today, <laughs> Wednesday, it's hard to describe what Wednesday will be when all the students get will be in here. They're getting here this weekend, but all of them are in this room. It's there. It'll be hanging from the ceilings. It'll be so powerful, so powerful. This is pretty powerful to get this many students out here Sunday morning. This is magnificent. I would like our faculty and parents, I know that we can't create a good wall of prayer because we have no space to build the wall. There's no room here. Uh, so I'm not sure how to do this other than those that are nearest by. Let's, the rest of us, let's stand if we can. And if you're a parent here today and you can get near a student, if you're a faculty, get near a student, uh, Pastor Doug Graham, uh, would you come? And we just want to begin to worship and pray. And I'm going to give it back to our campus pastor today. Uh, he's going to lead us in the close of this great day. How many are glad you came to the house of the Lord today? It was a great investment. Hallelujah. Pastor Doug, would you come? Oh, they're going to they're sing now. All right, we're going to worship for a moment, and then we're going to go to intercession and prayer. But let's lift our hands, our voices, and let's just seal the deal this morning. Let's just seal it, take it, all that God just said to your life, let's seal it right now.
I'd like to invite our president's wife, Pastor Karen, to come on up here, and she's going to pray the final prayer over your lives. Moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, reach out your hands as we believe God pouring his spirit in a special way, even in this concluding prayer. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that your presence is here, God. Father, we sense, God, this moment of destiny, Lord, the beginning, God, of what's next, Lord God. And I thank you, Father, for each of these uh, students, Lord God, each of these adults, Lord God, that you are going to, Father, move them forward, God, in your call on their life, Lord. God, and I pray, Father, over them that they would go after the call of God on their lives with a fierceness, God. They would be fierce, Lord, about their relationship with you, God. Father, they would be fierce about hearing your voice, Lord God. They would be fierce about doing the work that needs to be done, God, that they would own, Lord, the responsibility, Father, that lies ahead of them, Lord God. And they would do it passionately, Lord, and fiercely, Lord God, because you need people of God to be fierce in this world, God, in this time, Lord. So, God, we call upon your name, Father, to undergird us. We call upon your presence, God, to minister to us, Lord, as we go forth, Lord. And I just pray blessing. God, I pray increase, Lord. I speak life over these students, God, as they go forth, God. And we thank you, Lord, because you are a faithful God, and you are a good God, and you are a mighty God, Lord. And we take in all that you are, Father, in us, Lord. And God, I thank you, Lord, that you are going to do great and mighty things this year, God. In the powerful and mighty name of Jesus, everybody said, amen, amen. Amen, 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 amen. To every student and all moms and dads and family that are here, welcome to the North Central family. We are family. Amen. Amen. May you have a wonderful afternoon. Students, you've got a whole schedule of things that are happening. But today, this afternoon, for those of you that have your moms and dads, family here, it is going to be a goodbye. Bless you today. Great days are ahead. Can't wait. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.